Welcome to the Short Funk Podcast, I'm Tom Barbelay, and today I'd like to talk about the political pause. This is going to be a theme through the Short Funk Podcasts, because I am struck how swiftly political decisions are made and how ill-considered they tend to be. And what I would like to see, actually, from our politicians, primarily, is a bit of forethought. And I'm not too concerned about flip-flopping. There seems to be a lot of things in the media associated with politicians flip-flopping. I actually think flip-flopping is pretty natural. It kind of means that either you've been bought up by a lobby group, which I think is almost always the case with a politician, or you've actually reflected on your position and came to some kind of like intelligible, descriptive journey associated with the positions that you take. And I think... As individual humans, not necessarily politicians, flip-flopping occurs frequently. But in terms of the pause, the ability to take stock and actually make a considered approach to a problem seems to be so completely lacking from, well, many tens of years of political process that I frequently like to reflect upon the pause as an opportunity to engage with the discourse and actually make an informed choice. One of the things that strike me very strongly about the political pause that has been missing recently is associated with the Islamic State, known as IS. Here you have an organisation that seems to be substantially funded either explicitly or accidentally by US taxpayers. It's an organisation that gathered about $600 million of US taxpayer money that was living vicariously in some ill-protected banks in an area of Iraq that sounds like it was going to be taken over anyway. And as the guards of these banks disappeared and the US taxpayer money was immediately transferred to the Islamic State, I think this is a political point of pausing. Why is it the case that the US federal government can give money to a terrorist organisation, sometimes accidentally and sometimes explicitly, yet if an American person, someone in the US, a citizen or someone like me, wrote a check for one dollar and sent it off to this organization, we would immediately be threatened with time in prison. Who is responsible for the handover of this money to the Islamic State? And how was it allowed to occur? Well, if you take a look at this, it's because historically, money has just been sent to these countries, usually in the form of arms, and obviously the Islamic State got a good amount of those as well. But um, no forethought is put towards the notion that Going back, really back into you know, history that predates modern information technology, even things like motion pictures, the ability to send money and just forget about something seems to be like a political nuance. And I often wonder what lobby groups actually create the rationale for sending vast sums of money to foreign countries and then just letting it disappear. The other thing that concerns me about the Islamic State is the use of weapons, particularly American weapons, but also fighting techniques that are quintessentially American. The use of body armour, the use of house-to-house raids, even the fighting techniques associated with how they advance and capture, you know, buildings and what have you, quintessentially American. Like, it's almost taught by American planners. And I have two schools of thought associated with this. One is that there was explicit US training of a wide variety of folk particularly through the civil war that erupted in Iraq and basically the crews that were gathered to, uh, you know, maintain the invasion strategy did nothing through that period. 
So, well, actually, that's not true because they trained a bunch of people. And when you see the Islamic State using those fighting techniques, it kind of makes you wonder, are these the same people that were originally trained in this line? The other thing is that there's a language of violence. And this is something I've talked about in my Stone Ape podcast periodically. And this language of violence came through the way the US operated and its allies operated in the invasion of Iraq and the strategies that were used, like house-to-house raids, for example, or random contractors that just opened fire on various areas that were inhabited by people, or what occurred in Fallujah, which you can't even really talk about in this country because so little is known about what occurred in Fallujah. Well, at least in this country, certainly the humanitarian organisations, the Red Crescent, these kind of organisations, know very well what happened in Fallujah. And, well, that's probably a topic for another podcast. So you have a language of violence. You have a whole lot of explicit training related to violence. You have weapons that were left around and money that was left around unprotected. You even have situations where parachute drops of weapons occur currently and mysteriously they fall upon the Islamic State, like gifts from above. And the whole rationale associated with this just doesn't seem to have encountered any kind of rational thought. No one paused and thought, hey, if we send that money over there and mysteriously if the guys who are guarding the money are no longer there, then who does the money go to? It's almost kind of freedom of uh, taking taxpayer money, which should be mysteriously, ideally, you know, reinvested locally, perhaps in police forces on streets and things, and creating um, some kind of other problem which mysteriously has to be solved by a military solution, which mysteriously requires more money and time and energy and wide variety of young men and women who uh, volunteer to go and participate in these things. This is going to be the tone of the political pause short funk recordings, but I wanted to put one out there because it leaves me an opportunity to wonder what would have happened if people actually thought, gee, maybe we shouldn't send all that money over there. Hmm, what would have happened? What would the Islamic State be now? Anyway, Tom Barbley in San Jose, signing out.